As we prepare to hear God's word, let's again go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, thank you for your work in us. And we come here today needing you to continue to work. Some of us are desperately aware of how much we need you right now. And others of us perhaps have come, but we, we perhaps are not as aware as we should be that we need you to work in us. Lord, we ask, we ask that however we have come, wherever we have come from, wherever we are in our lives, that you work in us. Lord, through your word today, speak to each one of us. Work in our hearts to draw us closer to you. If we are unsettled, then we pray that you help us to settle on your word. Father, if we are settling for too little, we pray that you unsettle us and and open our eyes to what you are calling us to. Lord, we ask that you work in and through us this morning, through your word and your spirit. Amen. So this month, we are in a sermon series on the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9. We had an unexpected diversion last week when my family and I were all home with COVID, and Pastor Dave Pinch hit and uh, preached on Acts, chapter 9, which also was written by Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. So it was a little bit of a, little bit of a parallel, but as Dave mentioned, definitely a plan B. But it worked out. We are going to uh, continue in Luke 9 this morning, and we'll be in it for the next few weeks. We may end up... Uh, doing it a little bit out of order, but we will cover Luke 9, 1 through 50 in the next few weeks. And today we'll read from Luke 9, verses 10 to 17. So hear now the word of the Lord. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everybody sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to set before the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. This is the word of the Lord. So we'll have just two points for the sermon this morning, working with the two halves of this text. And the first point is that Jesus works in his disciples. Jesus works in his disciples. So I I had a preaching professor in seminary who shared with us in a preaching class once about a really challenging but also encouraging situation that he had once, that he was a pastor at the time, and there was this one particular family. The mother's name was Anne. The young adult daughter was named Beth. She was just out of college, and the two of them were really at loggerheads with all kinds of things. Anne and Beth couldn't agree about how their family should work. Beth just wasn't feeling connected to the church and had lots of questions about faith and wasn't, wasn't really out there, but just 
didn't feel like it was making any sense. And so Anne was really struggling with how this church could fail to connect with her daughter. And a lot of this got centered on the pastor. And so he'd sat down with Anne and Beth a couple times and just not made any progress. He would talk and talk and talk, and it seemed like anything that came out of his mouth was just absolutely the worst thing that anybody could say at that point. And so he didn't know what to do anymore. And he was facing more and more criticism from Anne that this and that wasn't working and on and on. And and then he had a particular week where he just knew he had a terrible sermon. He did not have the time that he needed to put into it that week. There was just too much going on, and it just didn't click for him, and he got up, and and he knew it just was not going to be good. And he had a little bit of an aside at that point that I'll share with you in a minute that that he said, you know, sometimes you're going to have a dog of a sermon in ministry, and what you do is you just walk your dog proudly. That's it. If it's terrible, just do your best and trust that God will work. So he stood up there. And Ann and Beth happened to sit right in the front that day, which was really weird because usually they sat in the back, and they spent the whole sermon like this, both of them, getting worse and worse the whole time, grumpier and grumpier, just glaring at him. And it was bad to begin with, and he felt like it just got worse and worse and worse. And so after the service, he talked to a few people, and, and then he went home and was just a grump. He was getting grumpier. And grumpier and grumpier. And finally, his wife said, you need to do something different. This is not working. Go, go, go for a walk. Go take a bath. Just do something. So he went upstairs, and he ran a bath, and he settled down in the bath and was finally starting to relax. And his wife came and pounded on the door and said, hey, John, Anne's on the phone, and she needs to talk right now. Can't it wait? I mean, please, come on, can't it wait? No, she says, right now. I'm sorry. I've tried to talk her out of it. She's called three times. Can you just talk to her? Oh, so John gets up and he wraps a towel around himself and he walks into their bedroom to pick up the phone and, and he's just discouraged and worn out and done. Just plain old done. And it seems like that's, that's really where the disciples are coming from in this text. They've just had tremendous ministry success. They aren't coming off a season of discouragement at all. They've gone out and Jesus has sent them to proclaim the good news and to heal people. And it's worked. And they've come back to report to him. And, and they're excited. But they're also kind of tired, kind of ready for a break. And Jesus takes them and they basically sneak off. They withdraw to a remote area. And and the text says they go to a town called Bethsaida, but it seems like they actually went to a wilderness area sort of vaguely in the vicinity of a town called Bethsaida. And they're, they're finally going to get to celebrate and take a deep breath and relax. But the crowd figures out where they've gone. And the crowd shows up. And you can just picture the disciples saying, Really? Can't this wait? I mean, come on, we've been ministering and ministering and ministering. Can't this wait? And you pick up a little bit of that impatience when they come to Jesus and they say, hey, send send the crowd away. It's getting late in the day. It's, It's getting dark. We're in a remote place. Send them away to get food. Subtext, Jesus, we're tired. Can't we get a break? And Jesus responds in kind of a strange way. He says, you... And the you there is emphatic. This is, this is Jesus looking them right in the eye and saying, you, you give them something to eat. And the disciples look at each other. 
They say, well, we can try to find some food. And they ask around a little bit. And for this crowd of 5,000 people, they come up with five loaves and two fish. And so they say, well, I mean, we've got five loaves and two fish, Jesus. Is that going to be enough? I don't think so. And then another one pipes up and says, hey, you know what? Maybe we could buy food for everybody. I mean, you know, we're really wealthy or not. There's a big market here or not. And so the disciples, they do explore a couple options, but, but basically they turn to Jesus and they say, yeah, you tell us to feed them. We got nothing. We got nothing. And they would feel about how you might feel if I declared that immediately after the service, we're all going to come over to your house and expect a banquet. And you'd better deliver. And some of you are probably thinking, yeah, right, that's a joke. And some of you are panicking and thinking, okay, I've got this in the freezer and that in the fridge, and I could stop by Jewel on the way home, and I could make it work. But I doubt any of us could actually make it work. And that's, that's where the disciples feel like they are. And, you know, commentators argue whether Jesus is actually serious here in the demand he makes of them. And maybe what Jesus is doing is saying, yeah, you know you can't do it, but let me give you a shot. Do you really, do you really think you can do this? And Jesus maybe is focusing the attention on himself and showing them that they need him. But I think it's more like that what Jesus is doing is trying to work in the disciples to remind them that they do at this point have the power to do miracles. A couple weeks ago, we read the beginning of Luke chapter 9, and Jesus gave his disciples his own power and authority. His own power and authority. And he sent them out, and, and it seemed like they cast out demons, and they legitimately healed people, and they proclaimed the good news, and they went from village to village, and the text tells us they went everywhere all over the place, and they did miracle after miracle after miracle, and then they come back, and they're telling Jesus about this, and then the crowd shows up, and, and I think what Jesus might be doing here is just saying, hey, what's one more miracle, guys? I've given you the power and the authority. Why don't, why don't you just do it? And the disciples don't see it. They don't see it. They said, we're powerless. We, we can't do it. We've gone around, and all we can find is a couple handfuls of food, and, and we don't have the cash to buy food for everybody. What, what do you want of us? And it seems like what Jesus wants of them is to recognize that he has given them his power and authority. They are not powerless because they share in his power. And what Jesus is trying to do, first of all, is to work in them and open up their eyes and help them to see how, how he has already provided what they need to provide for these people. And so Jesus, when he's, tell, when he's looking at them and says, you give them something to eat, he is not in that moment asking for something impossible or even something unreasonable. In the last few days, they have seen through their own hands God do miracles. And now Jesus is saying, just keep on doing what you've been doing. In a way, I think we might, we might hear how Jesus treats the disciples here as a judgment. Oh, you have little faith. You can do it. Why don't you get with the program? Come on. Maybe that's it. 
But I think just as Jesus has compassion on the crowd, Jesus may actually be having, in a sense, having compassion on his disciples. And he doesn't need them. He does not need them at all. But he is at work in them. He has given them this power and authority. He has has asked them and drawn them to follow him. He has made them his people. And he is doing incredible things in them that they themselves are not yet seeing. And so Jesus maybe is being a little bit hard with them here. He's, He's maybe pushing them a bit. But he's doing it to work in them and transform them so that, they can, so that they can live out who he has made them to be. And now let me ask you this. How is God at work in you? How has God worked in you? And if Jesus comes to you today, as he has through this text... And he looks at you and he says, you, you do this. Well, what in his compassion would Jesus be calling you to be and to do? How is he at work in you? Is he calling you to to step into a deeper knowledge of the scriptures? Is he calling you to a deeper level of prayer in your life? Is he calling you, maybe for the first time or maybe again, to be really, really deeply assured that he, in fact, loves you? That Jesus, in fact, died for you? That you, in fact, are God's beloved child? How is God at work in you? And if you're at a place like the disciples that you say, I don't know, I mean, I've tried this, and I've tried that, and I don't see any way that God is at work in me, and I I just don't know. Well, then ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to work in you, to open your eyes, and to help you see how He has already done great things in you. The fact that you are here this morning is a sign that the Lord is at work in you. How is it for you? What is God doing within you? Now, Jesus also works through his disciples. That's the second half of this text. And, and our second point for today, that Jesus works in them, but he also works through them. After the disciples, I mean, they almost blow Jesus off. Like, oh, come on. We don't have enough food to feed them. We don't have enough money. What? What are you even thinking asking this of us? You know, Jesus could have just said, you guys, get out of here. I'm going to do it myself. But instead, Jesus continues to work through his disciples. He, he tells his disciples to have the crowd sit down. And it's a crowd of 5,000. It's actually just 5,000 men plus women and children. So it's a huge group. And Jesus has his disciples go through and they divide everybody up into groups of 50 and they have them sit down. And after they've done all that, Jesus takes the bread and the fish and he, and he prays over them and he breaks them and then he distributes them. And notice something here. Jesus does not, in fact, give any of the crowd the food directly. They do not receive the food from Jesus' hands. Did you notice how Jesus does this? 
Jesus takes the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to his disciples to pass on to the crowd. He works through his disciples. And until this week, I'd never actually pictured this, but I want to invite you to picture this. And, and some people think that the food multiplied, like, like if we were doing this right now and Jesus was up here, that he kept pulling box lunches out and they just kept coming and, and coming and coming. And there was more and more and the disciples kept coming up to Jesus. And no matter what, he always had one more lunch to go. And others think it was more that Jesus, say, handed each disciple a couple box lunches, and they went around, and every time they handed one out, there were still two left in their hands. And, and they go around, and they, to every group of 50, they give 50 lunches, and there's still two left. And they go to the next 50, and they, they give 50 lunches, and there's still a couple left. And they go to the next 50, and they... they or maybe it's that they're going back to Jesus, and they just keep getting more and more, and they go out, and... And think, by the way, of how long it would take to feed 5, 10, 15,000 people. And this goes on and on and on. This is not a quick miracle. This takes, I don't know, an hour, a couple hours, and the disciples keep having more food to give to the people. They keep receiving from Jesus, and they keep passing it on again and again and again, and again, and again. And they have so much that at the end, there are 12 basketfuls of food left over. From five loaves and two fish to, to a meal for 5,000 or more, probably many more, and then 12 huge basketfuls left over. And I think there are two, significance, two significant things about, about those 12 baskets. We should be led to think, first of all, of the 12 tribes of Israel who, who in the Old Testament were representative of all God's people. And, and what Jesus is doing here is he is providing enough for all of God's people and more than enough. Through the disciples, Jesus is providing for everybody. But then we should also think of the 12 disciples. And, and there's so much that after everybody's eaten, the disciples go around and they each collect 12 basketfuls. And I heard one preacher on this text have a, have a little bit of a, well, think of it later, and this is not biblical, but, but I think it fits. Think of the disciples reminiscing, maybe when they were talking about these texts as they wrote the Gospels later and saying, you remember that time? Remember that time that Jesus told us, you give them something to eat, and we all blew him off, and then he turned around and he had us feed 5,000 people, and then remember those big baskets we had afterwards? Like, I could hardly carry mine, and there were 12 of them, one for each of us, and you remember all of us staggering back to Jesus with huge basketfuls of food? Do you think maybe Jesus was trying to show us something? Yeah, I think maybe he was. And maybe what he was trying to show us is that is that he was working in and through us to provide everything that we would need. Jesus provides abundantly. And one, one lesson from that is that God will provide. And that's a Christian cliche, right? God will provide. But it's true. And we need to be reminded of it over and over and over again. A lot of what we do here on Sundays is gather not to hear something new, but to hear the same old story because over the course of the week, we've forgotten it. And a lot of what we need at those hard times in our lives when we are suffering or when God is asking us to do something that seems beyond our abilities, 
Well, we just need to hear the same old story. God provides. And his provision today is in part the provision of a reminder that he will provide for tomorrow. You know, we quickly forget how God has provided in the past, or, or we just write it off to circumstances instead of to God's providential hand. But the Lord who provided in this text miraculously through this, through this production of food, well, he provides for us every year through the natural production of food. And he provides for us in all kinds of ways that we, that we so easily pass over and forget. The Lord always provides. And that's true on the natural level and it's true on the spiritual level. God always provides. But then God provides through us. God provides through us. You might have had times in your life when you thought that or you knew that you weren't going to make it through. When there just was not enough, whether that was enough money or enough food or, or enough just personal resilience, resilience. You thought, I just can't do it. And then somebody stepped in and made up the gap. Or maybe there was a time in your life that you had a little extra somehow when you stepped in and, and you made up that gap for somebody else. And that was, well, it wasn't just you and it wasn't just that other brother or sister in Christ. That was Jesus working through them. God does not need us. God, God, he could just put us to the side. Because you people just don't get it. You are so frustrating. You don't see what I'm up to. You don't understand the power and authority I've given you. Just get out of the way. I'm going to do it myself. God could do that, and we could maybe understand that. But instead, what God does is he gently leads us along and says, okay, so you didn't get it. That's fine. Let's try again. Okay, you don't understand you have the power to do miracles. All right, well, just divide the people up into 50, and, and we'll do this a little different way, but I'm still going to work with you and through you. The Lord works through us. And so how is Jesus working through you today? Or perhaps what is the Lord calling you to do in the next season of your life to be worked through? to do ministry to somebody else or to many others. What is the Lord calling you to do? And maybe you've had something come to mind and it's just jumped to mind right now and you're trying to shove it back because that's too hard and it's too scary. No way. Well, maybe that's the Holy Spirit prompting you to take a big step out with the promise that he will go with you. Or maybe you feel like you are exactly where the Lord is calling you. And, and this message then is a confirmation for you right now that yes, keep going. Or maybe you're clueless. You don't know what your gifts are. You don't know what to do. You don't know what God is calling you to do. And you're kind of like, well, I do it, but I don't know. Well, maybe, maybe this is a season for you to open yourself up to the Lord and say, Lord, lead and guide me. Coming out of the pandemic... The church in North America, the church around the world is, is in a strange place. We are in many senses beginning again. And so what does it look like, not just for, for us individually, but for us as a church, to recognize that the Lord is at work in us and to recognize that the Lord is at work in us to prepare us for the Lord to work through us. 
So I invite you to ask these questions for yourself. How is the Lord at work in you? How can the Lord be at work through you? But also to ask it, if you're part of faith or part of another church, how is the Lord at work in us? And how might the Lord be preparing to work through us? And maybe that'll look like a miracle. Or maybe it'll look like just more ordinary faithfulness in following God day by day. So my preaching professor, John, he, he finally gets out of the bath, and he walks into the bedroom, and he's dripping wet, and he's pretty mad at this point. He picks up the phone and says, what? No, that's what he says on the inside. What he actually says is, hello, Ann, how are you? And Ann says, I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. You wouldn't believe it. Your sermon this morning, it just, it just hit Beth and me like you wouldn't believe it. And you know when you said that thing about how we really need to be more gracious with those around us, that just really spoke to me, that I need to be gracious with Beth. And John thinks, I didn't say that. And you know, Beth just really heard that part where you said sometimes in life you need to stop and you need to, you need to evaluate what you're expecting of others and what you really need to receive instead of demanding perfection. And, and John thinks, I didn't say that either. He says, it's the best sermon I've ever heard. And Beth was over today, and we, we talked, and, and we actually didn't fight much, and, and I can't believe it. It's like a miracle. Thank you so much. I just had to call and let you know, and, and I'll see you at church tonight. Bye. And John asked his wife to pinch him, because uh, did, did, did he fall asleep in the bath? This, this can't be real. But she says, yes, it was real. And he says, wow, well, I, I guess... I guess God is still at work in us. And I guess God is still at work through me. God's at work. And then he goes back to the bath and and feels much better about things. Church, God is at work in us. God is at work through us. God is at work. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your work. We are grateful for the work of Jesus and his 12 disciples long ago in in that remote area. We are grateful for your work in inspiring your scriptures and in having this story put down for us to read. We are grateful for your work in each one of our lives to, to bring us to this moment. And Lord, we ask that you work in us as each of us has need today. We ask that you feed each one of us. And Lord, we pray that your work would not end with us, but that you would work through us to others. Give us what we need so that we can provide to what others need. Lord, we put ourselves in your hands, and we pray that you help us to be your hands in this world. Amen.